This is Fearless Beauties, a podcast dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. We're talking to estheticians, skincare specialists, and business owners to uncover best skincare practices, tactical career tips, and ultimately, how we can create a better beauty industry together. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. Welcome to the first episode of Fearless Beauties. I am so excited to be here with you today. When I was thinking about where we were going to start this show, I couldn't help but think that we should go back to the beginning. So how do people even enter the beauty industry? And what's missing when they do? I decided to bring in Taylor Phillip, my social media guru, to help me. Taylor's been with me since day one producing this podcast, so I thought she'd make a perfect co-host for today's episode. Thank you, Mary, so much for having me on the show. So, Taylor, when we first talked about having the podcast, you were really enthusiastic. What was sort of going through your mind when when we started talking about it? Well, being on social media, I've noticed that a lot of our supporters love our mission and they want more from us. So I thought this podcast was a great way to show them our real and raw experiences and basically have like a conversation with them, although they're not there. The idea of the podcast didn't really actually enter my brain until all of this COVID stuff happened. And then it was like, how are we going to continue our mission? Mm -hmm. And I just love the idea of being able to hear from estheticians of color, being able to hear their stories because I think they've been marginalized so much and they've had some real struggles. And I think sharing those struggles helps inspire other people to know that they're not alone, but it also they've had real success. And what's the secret to some of their success? I mean, not only you, but the experience have to come from entrepreneurs of color. Those companies have to understand what black and brown women have experienced, how they have overcome their trials and tribulations. And I think that will help these companies bring inclusivity into the beauty industry. I completely agree. I want to see marketing change. I want to see company representation change and just kind of even the playing field, because I think, you know, it's already hard enough as an entrepreneur to get started, but it's like there's other factors against you. That's what some of our episodes and some of the entrepreneurs that we're going to get into, they kind of highlight how them being black and brown women has caused some struggles for them in the beginning. But I love the the transition from it's not going so well for me because I am a black and brown woman to I'm now a business owner and I'm now helping the beauty industry get to be more inclusive. So I think these stories will kind of help other entrepreneurs who are starting out understand that, okay, we can actually do this and we can actually elevate the beauty industry to where it's more common to see black and brown women at the forefront. There needs to be a consciousness about inclusivity when organizations, skincare companies, educational companies are in leadership roles. They're providing leadership to our industry. They need to think about inclusivity rather than just thinking about 
I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking about because now that I'm aware of it, it makes me even more hyper aware of it. And so I think it just needs to be a raised consciousness in the entire industry. Okay, so Mary, for today's episode, you mentioned that we would be exploring how people actually get their start in the beauty industry. And I thought of Noelle Schwarzkopf, the owner of You Matter Beauty. Yeah, I met Noelle at the Cascade Aesthetics Alliance event a couple of years ago, and I appreciated her outspokenness about issues that face skincare professionals, especially women of color. So I thought I'd love to hear Noelle's thoughts about her journey to becoming an entrepreneur and how she started You Matter Beauty. Let's see what she has to say. When I first moved here, I was only 18 and I went to PCC. And that is where I realized, you know, I don't like school. It's like I really, it did not work for me. When I was in high school, I was always very social. So that aspect, I never really thought about anything else. So I stopped that. And then I started working at a um, retail store. And that's where I realized I cannot do this either. <laughs> so I had to recuperate and decide, okay, well, what, is, what are things that I've always been interested, things that have always made me happy? And just all aspects of beauty, hair, skin, nails, all of it, it always interested me. So I went to school. And then once we started learning aesthetics, it was like, I was naturally good at it, which I am not naturally good at a lot of things. So with facials in particular, it just came so easily to me and it was so interesting. And even the education part of the anatomy, it was like, okay, this, I think I got something. A year after I started school, I had gotten a job at Massage Envy and that's where I started just seeing so many different types of skin and people and everything. And I just, I love it. It's so rewarding. With Massage Envy, with any franchise, you have to listen to their which I didn't like. You don't make the money that you could be making, which I don't like. I didn't get into this industry for the money for anything like that, but it is nice to also make the money. I just didn't like their rules. I feel like they weren't, they were only inclusive to a certain extent. You know, doing my own thing, I feel like I'm able to really accept any and everybody. And I'm also able to reject what I don't want. And it's just being able to do everything on my own is very hard and it's been very challenging because I feel like I've learned from so many mistakes. But again, it's just super, super rewarding. If I have somebody who's transitioning coming in, they don't feel like, okay, like I have to do with all of these people before I see you and it's awkward and it's just a lot of different emotions for people. Or if I have somebody who's black who comes in, when I was working at Massage Envy, I was in Tualatin. It's not comfortable for a lot of people. So being completely on my own, it's like, I'm able to set the tone I want. I'm able to set the vibe and like how I want people to feel also, where with franchises, I when I would do everything exactly how I did it because I was able to learn so much, but I can't say that I would go back now. I think Noelle's journey is very similar to a lot of estheticians' journey. It's almost like the professional skincare industry finds you. Your heart is just open to it, and then the industry comes to you. Yeah, I definitely agree. I love how Noelle asked herself, what makes me happy? And she kind of ran with that. She had so many trials, like, should I do hair, retail? And then she finally landed on skincare. And I think that's such an important question to ask yourself because we spend so much time 
working. So why not spend it doing what we love? Yeah, you know, I work for a group of surgeons as a nurse, and they asked me to do the research about bringing medical aesthetics into their practice. This was in the 1990s. And I started to look into it, and it was like little angels were singing on my shoulder. <laughs> I mean, my heart just moved. I just thought, Ma, you want to do this. And after I worked for them for about five years as an esthetician, life just opened up with an opportunity for me to own my own med spa. And I loved that freedom of being able to incorporate my own values into how I wanted, uh, how I wanted my clients to be treated. Yeah. It's that pull. It's that tug in your heart that says, yeah, this is what I am on this earth to do. And I think like once you feel that, you kind of just have to run with it. Yeah, I, I really had to then starting the school, you know, when I started the school 2012, so eight years ago, I really had to confront issues about how we were going to be educating. And the student population was more diverse than actually my client population when I had my med spa. The clients that were coming in for services to the school because they got reduced pricing was also more diverse. We ended up with, well, we have a lot of people of color coming in. We have a lot of transgender clients coming in for reduced services. And then I realized I didn't have a strong enough curriculum for my students to feel confident when they went in to provide services for these for these clients. And so then I had to look around and I realized I couldn't find a lot of content about how can we provide a stronger and better education. So we just had to create our own. Yeah, and, and I love that because on social media, I see a lot of direct messages to us and they say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I found you guys. Because when I was an esthetician in training, there was like probably a half a day dedicated to teaching about black skin, Asian skin, Indian skin, and it was all white skin. And then they brought that into their practices and then now they're lost because most of their clients are skin of color. So I thought I would mention my own experience as a black consumer in the beauty industry, which was during my first facial. I was very underwhelmed, to say the least, because now that I know so much about Fearless Beauties, there were no questions on the consultation form or even an interaction with the esthetician that related to me being a black woman. And I thought, OK, so what are you going to do to my skin? You know, so... After I looked around at the products she was using and there were no products or procedures being done that were switched out. It's like she had her general products that she used for every client and then that's what she used on my skin. So unfortunately, I didn't see a change to my skin at all. So Mary, based off the experience I had during my first facial as a black woman, did Noelle mention anything about why she thinks the Black community is more uncomfortable getting beauty treatments? Actually, yes, she did. From a professional standpoint, we don't learn anything in school. My school, it's maybe a chapter. For skin itself, it's maybe a chapter, and it's everybody, all ethnic skin. Hair itself, we had one mannequin head that we, on each little quadrant, did a relaxer this and that. So even that, like we don't learn it. There's no real education unless you go and pay 
for continuing education, which isn't necessarily bad, but we should be able to learn the basics in school and then continuing ed for advanced. And that's not how it is. We have to pay for continuing ed for the basics. But even just as a consumer, it's getting better nowadays, but there's no real marketing for people of color. My salon, I work in Southeast Portland, and all over the place, they do Brazilian blowouts. And it always shows a woman of color with crazy hair. And then the next is her with beautiful flat hair, and she's happy. And it's like marketing like that, it really does do something. Like if I didn't work here, I would never go into that salon to think, okay, well, they're going to be able to do my natural hair. They'll know about skin. They'll do this and this and this. So that's what I find the most is marketing and education. Because even now that like I do what I do and I, my eyes are more open with makeup brands, they're becoming more inclusive, but the darkest is going to be a little bit darker than me where it's like, there are much darker people and there's nothing for them. I spoke with another a black friend today who was telling me about when she was 13, her mother took her to the store to get her first foundation, three shades, none of them matched her skin tones. At a young age, how does that make you feel? And it's when you really start looking at all of it, it's like, wow, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I just not supposed to wear makeup or am I supposed to wear a lighter shade and try to become lighter in the black community? Skin bleaching is really big. And I make sure I choose my words very, 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 very carefully because I've in the past said, we're going to use vitamin C and we're going to add in uh, lactic acid and blah, 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 because we want to lighten your skin, the hyperpigmentation because bleaching has been such a thing of what well, we, the higher beauty standards having light skin, even in the black community, black people with my skin tone compared to black people with darker skin tones it's still racism and they'll still take me over them. Well, levels of shadism. In, in fact, I was looking recently about how um, I want to say Beyonce's skin tone over the years has become much, much lighter. It's like, okay. And she, of all people is feminist all the way. Like, obviously it's our society that's making us feel like this. And then we take a step back and it's in the black community also. Like, we do it to each other, and it's like, it's still not right. How do we get around it? But it's a problem that has been around for hundreds of years, so we're not going to fix it in a day. But what are we doing so little girls don't feel the same way that your friend felt? And your friend's not the only one. It's still, there's only a few makeup brands. So it's like, okay, we're getting somewhere, but it's just so slowly evolving i try to make sure that when i do educate clients it's like we're not bleaching your skin this is what it's doing first instinct is always uh oh my god it's gonna hurt me it's gonna bleach me it's gonna do this or that and even michael jackson nobody ever talked about his vitiligo everybody right. just talked about his bleaching skin well he just wanted to be wider he just wanted this and this and this and it's like you don't have vitiligo i don't have vitiligo i can't say that if i did I wouldn't try to even out my skin tone, but nobody ever talked about it. So it's just like, well, he didn't want to be black. And it's just crazy when you really start looking at everything. It's like, okay, this is not right. As an educator, it's, it makes me feel really sad that it's taking so long for education to recognize people of color. And I'm really also inspired by Noelle's determination to educate her own clients. 
Yeah, I definitely think it is disheartening, to say the least. But as a Black woman, I can understand her willpower to talk to her clients of color about the procedures being performed on their skin. Like she said, her clients were asking, oh, are you lightening my skin? And I think as a Black woman, I would ask the same question. Like, I don't want my skin to be lightened. I like it just the way it is. So makeup brands are starting to understand, like, hey, we need to have more shades for black and brown skin. And even though it's not where it should be, I believe it will get there slowly but surely. I think the beauty industry manufacturers really need to step up. And I think as practitioners, we need to quit waiting for somebody else to speak up. I think that we need to collectively use our voices as allies. Me as a white woman, I need to demand that just education improves, um, that resources are available for everyone. Our students deserve that. And that reflects in the clients. The clients deserve that. They deserve the best kind of treatment. The lessons the beauty industry can take away is take the initiative to learn about all skin. After speaking with Noel, I wanted to get another perspective. I decided to chat with Sonia Dumas, a board-certified nurse practitioner and the owner of A Touch of Youth. I wanted to know, did she notice the same thing as Noelle when she entered the beauty industry? Um, my name is Sonia Dumas. I'm a family nurse practitioner. I'm also the owner of A Touch of Youth here in Portland, Oregon. I've been doing medicine probably about 15 years, and then I just started in aesthetics three years ago. I was the first to graduate in my entire family. So my dad, Jamin Dumas, he just always instilled a good work ethic. And he'd always be like, you know, you got to work harder. And you, the reason you have to work harder is because you already have a strike against you. You're black. You're another strike is that you're a female. He's always instilled that. I feel like, like when I do consultations, like I could literally see when people come in that they're surprised that I'm black. <laughs> and most times it's fine, but there is some pushback. Like, where did you go to school? And how long have you been doing this? Another thing that I've noticed is that there's not a lot of products that are designed for us. And when I say us, I mean people of color. In this day and age, when we're sending people to the moon, like, you know, sending people out of space, we should be able to come up with something. Like, I've been told your skin is too dark for this, or we don't have anything to take care of that type of skin. Nobody's going to come out and say it because you're black. I don't necessarily feel like I've done my job in trying to change that. And I feel like a lot of things are geared towards not people of color. I remember when I was in school, I would, um, we were talking about weight and height. Like even BMI is not, is a reflective of people of color. It's not. I remember I was like 165 pounds, which is actually skinny for me. I'm 5'9". But I should be weighing 135 according to my BMI. And, you know, I was like, I'd be sickly looking, you know? I think that one of the goals of Fearless Beauty is to highlight these entrepreneurs so the consumer isn't surprised when she walks in and finds out her practitioner is a person of color, but it becomes more the norm because our country is quickly transitioning to a multi-ethnic culture. Yeah, I loved Sonia's story and I loved how raw and real she was about being a double minority, a black woman, and how it has forced her to work harder. I could definitely understand that. It is inspiring to say the least. Like Mary said, as our country becomes more multi-ethnic, we will need more practitioners and estheticians like Sonia. 
I think the largest cosmetic and skincare companies are run by white men. The CEO of L'Oreal, largest cosmetic and beauty company in the world, is a 64-year-old white man. The CEO of Unilever is a 57-year-old white man. The CEO of Estee Lauder is a 63-year-old white man. They don't have the perspective that people of color have disposable incomes and could even be a source of revenue for their companies. I did not know that. Let's just say I am very shocked. And I don't think there's a problem with them being the owners or founders of this company. But these companies have nowhere to begin. They're lost. And they should definitely incorporate people of color into their production team. I watch a lot of YouTube. And so when I started watching beauty gurus and makeup gurus, I learned that these cosmetic companies are now incorporating black women like Jackie Ina, for example, a makeup guru, to enhance the darker shades of their foundation line. So there is a line called Too Faced. And I believe Jackie Ina, I think she enhanced or extended their foundation line about 11 shades on the darker spectrum. And it's because of her experience as a black woman and it's because of her knowledge of makeup and skincare and beauty that she helped Too Faced, who isn't run by a black woman, become more inclusive. So I was thinking about why okay, why is it? Why is it taking so long? Why is this mm-hmm. awareness not coming in? And then I thought, well, it's gotta start from the top. So let's just yeah. go to the top. Because I know that there's really only about seven beauty companies that control the majority of the beauty industry. You know, for me, after the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter protests in Portland, I really started to question the companies that I was doing business with. I really wanted to support companies that would share my same values. And so I reached out to my vendors and I wanted to talk to them. What is their stand on social justice? Um, Because I don't want to spend my money with a company that doesn't have the same values that I do. So just to piggyback off of inclusivity, Mary, what did Sonia have to say about what the beauty industry can be doing better? Let's find out. I think that they need to teach and train people. That's most of our population. Like most of our population are people of color. I think more dollars need to be sent towards education. The difference in the skin, difference in pores, everything. We need to see more products that are geared towards four, five, and six, three, four, five, and six. Right now I could go to Ulta or even Sephora And I've like tried to match my skin and they really didn't know what to do with me, which is surprising to me because there's, it wasn't her fault. It was the lack of education, you know, like people of color do exist. We do have to be able to service them. Even when I went to Florida for the conference, the aesthetics conference, and I specifically asked, do you guys have any, anything for people on the three, four, five, six of Fitzpatrick as far as skincare? Because they had skincare there. Everything they showed us and every model was white. Literally. But all the people at the conference were pretty well mixed, pretty well diverse. I think that change is hard. You know, the beauty industry is focused primarily on white people, even if white people are going to be the minority by 2040. And so, especially with white men leading the largest companies, they're just not woke yet and they aren't paying attention to the future. 
Yeah, I love that you mentioned woke because that's exactly what it is. They have no idea what our country is going to be. And like you said before, our country is headed towards a multi-ethnic population. And I think it's just a lack of education. Like I mentioned, it's okay if these white people are founding and owning these beauty companies and skincare companies, but they need to have the education. I think now that I'm more involved in trying to make this change, I'm, I'm sort of more aware, hyper aware, and I'm looking for how much diversity gets represented. I think it's going to take like a generation, right? As we hmm, become yeah. more multi-ethnic, then you're going to have like Lauren, your daughter, she will have a different perspective. My grandchildren yeah. are going to have a different perspective because they're living in a more inclusive um, mm -hmm. world, a more inclusive culture. Inclusivity is clearly a problem in the beauty industry. Skin of color isn't something that's brought to the forefront in school programs or even the products that are available. We need to do better. So I was curious about Crystal Martos. She's the owner of the Sugar Mama here in Portland. And what did she have to say about this? Oh, boy. Well, I can say that I do feel... In some ways, I have had some privilege being, you know, able to travel as much as I have, being able to have many jobs, being able to um, be a little more dynamic than other people that have never left Portland or never had an opportunity to travel or do the things that I did when I was modeling. But I know that when I first started in the industry, I felt like I was being taken advantage of. And I felt like... I was not being seen as a, a very headstrong and willing to learn and adaptable asset to a team. And I was very tokenized at my first job. I was the one woman of color and I felt like it was just kind of like this awkward, like, ha, 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 let's make a joke and see if Crystal laughs at it. And I didn't really like that. But I also, at the time, I'm like, this is my first job out of beauty school. Like, I can't, like you know, don't, don't mess it up, like get the experience you need and then leave if you, you know, once you have the experience you need. But I will say that when I worked at this other studio, they had just opened, they were doing pretty successful. The owner had all the backing she could. She had loans, she had a business partner, she had people that believed in her and invested in her. And like, those are just things that I felt like I could never get, like, even in, with my experience, even with knowing people here and there, I just... I applied for loans. I could not get loans. Whether or not, I'm not trying to say that I walked into a bank and they said, because of the color of your skin, you can't have a loan. That's not what I'm saying. And I know that some people, if I were to say I couldn't get a loan, that's the first thing they're going to think. And that's a little ignorant. But at the same time, I know that, that some people just think that way. But what I'm trying to say is because of the systematic oppression that has happened over hundreds of years, not only was I not able to get a loan, my mother wasn't able to get a loan, my father wasn't able to get a loan, my uncles and aunts before them were not able to get loans, my grandparents never had loans. So that's what I'm talking about when I said that I couldn't get a loan. I was never taught to manage money properly because I never had money and I left my house at a very young age because I was sick of not having money. I got all of these jobs to one, I, I helped my family. I gave them money. All of our bank accounts were linked. And when I earned money, I'd send it home. Like, so 
for me, my experience was very different and I feel lucky to have helped. Like I helped my sister with college. I helped my brother with his wedding. Like I helped my mother when she and my stepfather split up. But like, you know, still I didn't have the knowledge to put some money aside for myself while I was helping everybody. So from generation to generation, we were not given opportunities that others were and we're so far behind in that that it's like the only way that I can is if I apply for a minority loan and then I can probably get it. But I can't just run out there and get, you know, I, I literally have a best friend who is the same age range as me. She owns a salon. I have been working at my business for five years. She started her business two years ago. She walked into her bank, which is a major bank, got a $20,000 credit limit on a credit card. And I'm just like, how did that happen when we're in the same age range, we're the same beauty industry, your business is open three years less younger than mine, but the second your business hit two years old, you got the credit card. And I'm still working on my $5,000 limit to get that raised. You know, like I, unlike my friend, like she was able to build her business with her credit and I had to teach 56 yoga classes a month. And I had to work a full-time job. Crystal's story just touched a place deep in my heart. Yeah, I loved um, how she was so vulnerable. And I loved how she was explaining that because of her skin and because of her being a woman, that she wasn't able to get loans, her father and mother weren't able to get loans, and her going down the line, her grandparents and great-grandparents, they were like, what is a loan, you know? And I think that it's important to discuss that type of information because I think it kind of trickles down into the beauty industry and to why the beauty industry is the way it is right now, although it will get better. But the stigmatization and the discrimination marginalized communities face is so upsetting. And as a black woman, of course, I grew up hearing stories about my grandparents and my great grandparents experiencing racism. But to actually see it happening currently is still mind boggling to me. To hear Crystal talk, it was just so inspiring for me because I realized that, you know, you hear as an entrepreneur, it's a lot of like, well, just set your mindset. You've just got to have a right positive mindset. If you just have a positive mindset, you can overcome these obstacles, these reasons why you can't get success in your business. Well, when you've got a culture that's set up, it's not just your mindset. She has a positive mindset. She wants to be a successful entrepreneur. But when the system is, there are things in place that are against you. She can't get a loan. She can't get the money that she needs to get started. I mean, that is, for me, feels inspiring that she's going to persevere through that. So we've heard from three incredible Black women today about how they started their careers in the beauty industry and the challenges that they faced. Mary, what does this mean for new estheticians and educators in the beauty industry? I think new estheticians need to really demand the education that they and their clients deserve in order for them to be successful treating all clients. I think the educators need to become educated themselves on treating skin of color and they need to demand more inclusivity from corporate aesthetic education. Yeah, Mary, all I'm hearing from your answer is to take initiative. And I think it's very important 
for makeup artists, for skincare specialists, for estheticians to do what they need to do to make sure that their practice is being inclusive. And I think that Fearless Beauties, I think what you have done for the beauty industry has given these people somewhere to look because you have started to fill the gap in the beauty industry. You saw something that needed to be changed and you're tackling it. And I think it's motivating. For me, I'm really humbled to listen to the stories of these women and how they've developed their personal philosophies on success and how they have moved the needle themselves towards equality. Although there are struggles in the beginning, it won't always be that way. Let's just say that's kind of the theme for me of what I got from this episode. And I think as a Black consumer in the industry and also the social media coordinator for Fearless Beauties, it's important for me to continue to motivate our supporters online that skincare is going to be more inclusive and we're going to get there eventually. And I think it's a collective effort and I think it's all about empowering women and men, like Mary said, to continue the mission. I'm really humbled to listen to the stories of these women, how they develop their own personal philosophy of success, and then how they move the needle themselves towards equality. Thank you for listening to Fearless Beauties, a show dedicated to elevating voices of color in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Mary Nielsen. Until next time, keep educating yourself, remember to stay open, and be fearless in the pursuit of creating a better, more inclusive world. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. 